Good morning, Veritas. How are we doing? Merry Christmas. I hope you guys had a good, fun week. I was in bed sick almost the whole week, so you're kind of like the first real people I've seen all week. Not that my family's not real people. I did not think through that before I said it. Not that my family's not real people, but you know what I mean. It's good to get out and see all your faces again. A lot of college students already trickling back because they miss us so much. Um, but tis the season, uh, tis the season for incredible, riveting optimism and gut-wrenching disappointment, right? Like this is post-Christmas, it's all kind of coming down, we're looking towards the new year. Uh, we're looking for our big New Year's resolutions and what we want to do with ourselves this upcoming year. Uh, but there is a necessary evil first and that is us looking back on our past year and realizing all the goals that we did not meet. Is this that week for anybody else in here where you're looking forward with hope and you want to see some big changes here, you can't wait for January 1st to come, but really, we got to stop for a second. We got to look back at all of the goals and the resolutions that we did not quite get to. Uh, January's optimism has to collide with December's reality if we're actually going to do it right. So how'd you do this year? Did you, I mean, lose the weight? Did you gain the weight? Did you put on the muscle? Did you read a hundred books? Did you uh, join CrossFit? Did you stay in, did you quit CrossFit? Did you grow all your hair back and longer than you ever wanted it? Asking for a friend on that one. Uh, the real question, I guess, when you're talking about this stuff is like, did you become more like the person you wanna be this year? Cause like when you, when you kinda like cut through all the good stuff, like you kinda get to the root of it. It's like, you're seeing who you are or like a lack thereof like you're seeing something in your life that either needs to change or be improved upon. You're saying, what can I do? What goals can I make and take so that I can become the person that I think I should be or maybe the person I could be? That's what this is all about. And there's nothing wrong with this. Uh, the point today is not to come up and bash your small New Year's resolutions for wanting to have a six pack. It's uh, I just find myself being really, really bad at this American habit. Every single year I come back to the mirror looking at it just being like, what happened? It seems like nothing happened this year and I'm perplexed that I can't seem to figure out how to do this. But let's ask the question to us, like let's get it off of you for a second, just talk to us as a church. How did we do this past year? Like did we become the type of people in this room that we want to be? In other words, as we look back on this past season of life, did we grow in the good and healthy and God-glorifying ways that we wanted to as a church. Not like did we grow in numbers and like did new people come and did we like get all of our ducks in a row or is our money looking good? Is our kids ministry running like a well-oiled machine, which it is, especially on Christmas Eve when all the staff got to work it, it was a very well-oiled machine. Not like those type of goals, but like one thing kind of comes to mind. The one conversation that kept ringing in my mind when I looked back at this past year of like, what goals did we set for ourselves? What types of people did we want to be? I think back to the beginning of this semester, all the way back in August, September. You guys remember what we talked about, right? Philippians 2. We talked about not who we are 
as would be custom to a normal, hey, get to know us type of intro series, like welcome to Veritas, this is who we are. No, no, instead we wanted to take you to who we wanted to be. And the word was humble. Like we, we recognized uh, in, in Deuteronomy 8, I believe Mark preached, it was like God is in the business of blessing the people he loves. We have a new roof over our head. The baptism tub is just being filled with people over and over again. New life is happening. Child dedications are just off the charts, man. The, we're busting at the seams of the kids. Wing. Like so many good blessings are happening but that simultaneously needed to become our greatest fear. Because we see all over the Bible that when God blesses people he loves extravagantly with the snap of his fingers, really well-intended, good people like we think we might be, forget the gift giver and focus too much on the gift. Right? You remember the story we talked about. We could become so obsessed with the good things that God has given us that we would think, I did this myself. That we look around here and say, this building, this is us. And we forget all about the wilderness years, right? We forget all about the 10 other mobile locations. We forget about all the work and the blessing and just the mercy that this building actually represents. And that's just true now, Christian, for like this past year of Veritas and for the rest of your life, that we need to be professional rememberers of the grace of God. And so that we started this year off saying that we were desperate for humility. And we looked at Philippians 2, we memorized it, right? Does anybody have Philippians 2 want to come up on stage and just spout out Philippians 2 for us? Good. It would not be very humble of you to do that, but you passed. Uh, this is how Philippians 2 opened up, guys. If we could put it on the screen. Uh, I think I actually preached on this once already this year, but th this is Philippians 2, 1 through 4. It says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I have it memorized. I just want to turn around to make sure, you know, it was up there still. Uh, yeah, so that's what we talked about, right? That humility is this idea of seeing others as more significant than yourselves. It's not this climbing the social ladder of importance in this world. It's actually a race down the ladder, that it's a, a race to outdo one another in showing honor. And so my question is on the table. How are we doing at that? If that's been kind of our one big thing this semester, how are we doing? I had to look in the mirror and think about this myself. I'm like, how am I doing with this? Have I been more servant-hearted? Have I been more uh, outgoing with showing honor? You know, and I look around my connection group and I say, well, that guy talks a lot, thinks he has a lot of important things. I'm more humble than him. Uh, that guy just talks about all the great things he's done this week. I'm more humble than him. You know what? Maybe I am doing pretty good at this humility thing. Maybe I am kind of doing this whole like semester goal pretty well. Maybe I have taken steps toward Jesus in this thing of humility. Uh, but obviously you can tell by the way I'm saying that humility is something that was a really good idea that maybe didn't hit me as hard as I wanted to. And even if I have convinced myself I made it. I'm at the bottom of the ladder. I'm as humble as I will ever be. 
God had a very funny plan for my life. He put me on a plane and took me to Zambia. (laughs) If you were here last week, Mark gave an unbelievable recap of like 5% of all that happened over the past few weeks when me, him, and Jeff uh, had the privilege to go over to Zambia to see all the work that Jeff and his buddies were doing, what God is doing through them. Uh, And it was a little bit unconventional of a sermon. Today's going to be very similar. We decided that we all get at least one Zambia, get it off your chest moment. And so today is mine. Okay, so if you're sick of hearing about it, uh, it'll be over soon probably, but this needs to happen, okay? I need to take what God taught me and I need to just like verbally process it. So that's what today's sermon is gonna look a lot like. God took me on a plane to take me to Zambia because he wanted to show me what true humility looked like. I think that's one of the main things that he was doing for me. He showed me people who ran circles around me with their humility. He surrounded me with what would appear future kings and queens of heaven, people of glory and majesty wrapped in rags and dirt. Why? To make me feel guilty? (laughs) So I can make you feel guilty? To give me this extra carry on luggage of shame that I could bring back and now share with all of you? No, I think he wanted to show me something far more life-changing and share something far more life-changing than shame and guilt. So this is where we're going to go today, okay? This is, this is the outline of the sermon. Uh, I'm going to share what God taught me about true humble servanthood, and this is how I want to do it. First, I'm going to introduce you to some of the kings and queens we met over there, some of the humble heroes we met, some of the friends, uh, and they're actually going to essentially preach Philippians 2 back to us. You'll see when we get there, but that's what they're going to do. The the examples we saw and the people we met have something with their lives that they want to preach to us, and so we're going to let them do that. And then I want to explain after that why exactly this experience, these stories can and should be life-changing for us this year. And finally, I want to give us, ready for it, the greatest New Year's resolution of all time, one that I think we can actually do, and one that I think will actually shape this church if you would so dare, okay? So let's just dive right in. I'm going to introduce you to some of the kings and the queens I came across. All right, humble hero number one. You were introduced to this hero last week, and his name is Joe. Can I get a picture of Joe Kalunga up there? Um, Joe the Magnificent, that's what we're going to call him today. Uh, Joe Kalunga, you heard a lot about him last week. This is the guy who Mark told you about who walks from his house, from his family, his wife and his kids, and he took on a teaching job 14 hours into a essentially remote and hidden valley. That there is this village with over 300 kids that he teaches by himself with one volunteer. Where they just got their first running water ever. Joe is the one who has killed many cobras by the watering hole. Who has killed two leopards. Who has killed a cheetah. Who just recently had a spitting cobra mess up his eyes for like four days of almost being blind. This is the Joe we're talking about. The one who, when we were at this waterfall, said, oh, if God is collecting tears in bottles, I think I would need a bucket. 
This is the Joe Kalunga that I want to open up with tonight. But there's a couple other stories that we didn't get to. And I'm sure there's a lifetime of stories we'll never get to. But a couple that I heard. Guys, we showed up and we turned the corner and we see this little bathroom. And we walk in around and like every single bathroom in this area, you would expect to see a hole in the ground. But there was no hole in the ground in this bathroom. There was a perfectly good white porcelain western toilet. And we're like, that's weird. Haven't seen, didn't expect to see that out here. How'd that get here? Little did we know that Joe Klunga, who's responsible for bringing as much food as he can bear on his shoulders to walk across this 14-hour terrain, mountainous, dangerous terrain in the middle of the night, as he was carrying as much food as he could to feed this village, he also had a full-blown toilet on top of his head so that he could bless us. Isn't that weird? Isn't that amazing? He carried a toilet on his head that we did not need, but he wanted to show us just how happy he was that we were coming to be his guests in his second home, all in flip-flops. What a guy Joe the Magnificent was. And if that was it, that'd be it. But there was a moment um, that came after all that, after the valley, after we made it out of there, after the toilet story, after all the danger from animals was over, we're at our house, sun was setting, this beautiful scene, and up came a man walking with a stroller, and it was Joe. And he was taking care of his son named Axe. And here's a picture of Joe with his young son, Axe. Uh, Axe has cerebral palsy. Axe is getting a little bit too heavy to carry, as you can see. It's not easy. But what stuck out about Joe, and I think the other guys would agree, and what needs to stick out to you, is the love and the humble care that Joe had for his son, Axe. If Joe's life could preach Philippians 2 to us, he would start out by saying, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort in love, we are seeing it right here. That we're in a place where we're seeing the lowest of the lows and then we scoop down one more layer and see one of those people who can't even take care of themselves. And there is his dad walking back 14 hours from providing so that he could pick up his son and take care of him. Joe's life is saying that there is encouragement in Christ. There is comfort and love And this is what the love of Christ humbly looks like. Now I want to say to all the parents out there who might feel like you're in a season of suffering, like it's really, really hard. Like you've got young ones who are just driving you crazy or you've got preteens who are driving you even crazier or something much worse. You're tired, you're fed up, and you don't know what you're doing. Let Joe preach to you this morning. In Christ, there is encouragement. There is a comfort and love, and God sees you. Are there any teachers out there today who 
are just absolutely thrilled that it's break right now. And not because you had big holiday plans, but because you are drowning in the classroom. Your kids are wild. You did not sign up for this. And you nobly took on the charge to raise up the next generation of future leaders. And you are disrespected day in and day out and feel like you are running your head up against a wall constantly. What Joe wants to tell you is that God sees you. To all the friends out there who has a friend who needs encouragement, which is probably all of us, there is comfort for them. There is encouragement in Christ because God sees them. This is what encouragement in Christ and comfort and love looks like. Let Joe the Magnificent comfort you with his humble strength as we see him cling to Jesus for all of his strength. That's your first humble hero of the morning. The second humble hero might even just get better, guys. This, this is Dorcas the Strong. <laughs> Dorcas the Strong, uh, her sermon today would be, if there is any participation in the spirit, if there is any affection and sympathy. Let me tell you guys about Dorcas. Not a great picture because this is in the middle of the night. We were out just hanging out, just being boys, talking about the day, about how much fun we were having in Zambia. And we look over at, at like the main center and we see something. I have bad eyes, so I'm squinting. I'm like, I see it. It's a person. It's a woman at midnight scrubbing and waxing the floors for the big graduation ceremony that was going to come tomorrow scrubbing and waxing the floors that so many dirty shoes would ruin in like five seconds. There's a long day work, that's for sure. But especially considering she was up at 3 a.m. the day before cooking for all of the kids that were gonna come into the Hope Center. There's a long day of work considering she woke up at three. She's cleaning, starting her cleaning at midnight and she has to start cooking again at three for the next day. Dorcas has no husband. She was used. She has two wonderful sons. And she has few people in her life to pat her on the back and tell her that she's doing a good job and to keep going. But what I see here is not one sad woman working. but a woman who's actually filled with the Spirit of God. And I'm sure some nights as she does this, tears fall and mix in with the water that she is waxing the floor with, but not the night that we saw her. Because whether she receives affection and sympathy in this life or not, she knows that God sees she humbly serves her heavenly father and king who has vats and storehouses of love and affection that are one day gonna be hers in Christ. And so she keeps going. She humbly serves with the best of them. And I promise I'm not making fun of you when I ask this, but are there any Dorcases out there today? Are there any out there who feel so lonely in this life? who the way, the way you would have wrote your story is just not coming to pass and you feel it. Maybe it was a bad choice you made or a bad choice somebody made to you or just flat out bad luck. 
you are lonely? Is there anybody who feels used and spat out by the world, by those you trusted, by those who have taken advantage of you? Have you been chewed up and spat out alone? Are you really feeling that old saying, everybody wants to be considered a servant until you are treated like one? Is that like the anthem, the banner over your bed when you wake up in the morning? Nobody wants to be treated like a servant. Is that how you feel? Well, let Dorcas's life sermon today assure you that you are not alone. God sees you. You will know more affection and sympathy than you even know what to do with one day. And all of the tireless nights of serving and receiving nothing back from this world, when your eyes open in eternity, you will have not enough hands to catch the blessing God has for you. Dorcas, is, Dorcas the strong is hero number two. Now moving on to number three, our humble hero number three is Omega the joyful. Look at Omega. <laughs> Unfortunately, not the best picture because he's like mean mugging with those mangoes. He's way happier than that, I swear. Like, I'm not gonna do an impersonation of him, but like, <laughs> he makes you feel so good about yourself. This is the gardener and you walk up, he walks by you doing his work and every morning you get your coffee and hey, Omega. <laughs> and immediately he goes, <laughs> hey. <laughs> and he just laughs, just like that. And you don't know why. You didn't say anything funny, but you feel a little bit better about yourself. You're like, huh, okay, cool, yeah, good to see you too, Omega. Like, Omega, come here, I got something to ask you. And he starts laughing immediately. You're like, whatever, I'll go with this. This guy's awesome. Omega the joyful. He, oh, Omega, what a guy. Uh, this is the verse that belongs to Omega from Philippians 2 that he wants to preach to us today. Complete my joy. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He tends this Eden-like pasture in the middle of a chaotic landscape and he does it with so much joy. I have to tell you what he did the last two nights we were there, okay? It's impressive enough to watch him just all day, all evening, just go back and forth, just tending this unbelievable, massive landscape of gardens. But the last two nights... I couldn't hardly understand through his broken English, but he said he, had to, he couldn't sleep at his house. He had to sleep over there in the shed. I'm like, ah, okay, what? And something about chickens. And I didn't really quite understand it, but he said he wanted to show us. And we never really got around to it. And then a couple days later, he looked at me without smiling. It was weird. It kind of scared me. He goes, you, follow me. I'm like, oh, shoot. I think I'm in trouble with Omega. He probably thinks I stole like some bananas or mangoes or something. Literally, I was praying, God, I don't know what I did, but I don't want to be in trouble. Anyway, he takes me into this little barn where there's like, I think, 150 chicks, baby chickens. It was, <laughs> what I know, it was like a petting zoo on steroids. It was like, in all those like commercials when you lay down, all the puppies are jumping all over you. I had that moment with baby chickens in Africa. It was incredible. And Omega is sitting there, and he just lit up. He goes, this is where I've been sleeping the last two nights. He said, you've been sleeping here. And he pointed right next to the chicks. He said, right there, I've been sleeping. I'm like, do you fall asleep? Like they are loud. They're singing loud. Like they have some serious problems. And he's like, 
well, yeah, I don't really sleep, but, and he's just laughing the whole time, but this is what I have to do. I have to protect them. I have to make sure that this farm gets all of these chickens to adulthood so that we can eat them. (laughs) (laughs) I love that about him. We were wondering why he was just kind of up and at it in the middle of the night. Why, again, we'd be hanging out at night, we'd see this random figure walk across and it's Omega. Turns out he was coming from his new bed, sleeping in the barn with 150 baby chickens. And he wouldn't wake up grumpy. (laughs) He wouldn't wake up wishing that he had more help or that he would have delegated his job to somebody that was under him. He woke up with joy every single morning. I think there are many people here who Omega's Life Sermon actually would ring super, super loudly with. Coming to church here and like flexing your humility muscles. All right, every once in a while, we're gonna talk about humility. Oh, yes. Can you do it? We got it? Good. Let's do it. And we, and we put it on our humility faces. We, we were like, yes, I'm ready to pursue godliness. That's one thing. But the Monday through Friday, nine to five is a completely different task. What about the misfortunes that take over your life at work? What about being mistreated and underappreciated and underpaid and undervalued by people who are not in this room? What does it look like to serve a boss joyfully with humility who doesn't care about you? Let me ask you this. Is your encounter with true gospel humility even powering you through that? Have you had the type of relationship with Jesus, the kind of vision for his humility on the cross, him coming to earth that can even power you through the mundane and the unfair? Could even the way we humbly serve at work be a beacon of hope for this lost world? That's the question we need to dare to ask. And our final humble hero, guys, here he is, the champion, novice. Novice the champion. I don't know why this is the picture that made me tear up while I was prepping this. Also, I didn't cry much when I was there, but I told Mark and Jeff, it's gonna happen when I'm least expecting it. And so I'm just praying it doesn't happen while I'm on this stage. But in prep, yeah, fair game. I'm all by myself. Uh, this is Novice on the left. He is a church planter. That is, is his wonderful wife, Ketty, who is one of the most electrifying prayers I have ever had the privilege of being prayed for by. Also, got to get that Jesus hat. That's really cool. But novice is a legend. He's a patriarch of 10 children, 28 grandchildren, if I'm not mistaken. Doesn't know their names. He said, it's a lot of names. Uh, (laughs) And over 380 churches planted. Who does that? Over 380, I'm sure he doesn't know all their names either. This man has done it all. Trust me, he told us his testimony. (laughs) One time, Mark and uh, I were sitting there and Jeff and Marlon were saying, hey, you gotta hear his testimony, but we gotta go over here for a bit. So they leave to go run an errand and they leave me and Mark candlelight listening to him tell his story for about three and a half hours, if I'm not mistaken. It was incredible. And I stayed awake the entire time. It's one of the most proud moments I had the entire trip. 
But wow, this guy has seen it all. And he has so many incredible accolades. He has so many new life and just like baptisms that he has experienced. There are so many people going to heaven because of this man. But for all of that, all of the stories I told, one sticks out that he and his life needs to preach to us today. Mark said that we went to that valley, remember? Up and down the wild terrain where even novice said, oh, this place is beyond the Great Commission. Yeah, that's the guy who said this. We were down in that valley, a seven-hour drive, 14-hour walk into that place, and we get there, and our driver says, I need to leave. He's freaking out. This young man works for the government, needs to leave and take the car with him, and we're like, no, please don't do that because then we're stranded. How could you do that to us? No, no, no. So novice, the 68-year-old wonder man grabs a phone and grabs a buddy just for support and hikes two hours into the night up the mountain just to get cellular service to call this young punk driver's boss who he had never met before and tell him what good thing this driver had done and that he should not lose his job for not being at work tomorrow. And honestly, I forgot about novice. I just, he just wasn't around for a while. I was like, okay, cool. We're just going to get to work. And then all of a sudden, it's the middle of the night and this old 68-year-old man just comes lumbering into the camp moaning, oh, my legs. And he told us what he had just done. And it dawned on me, that was the most servant-hearted climbing down the ladder, humble thing that I've ever seen somebody do. This is what it looks like to count others more significant and better than yourselves. This is what it looks like to race to the bottom of the ladder. Novice doesn't see what he's done in this life in relation to what he deserves in this life. No, he sees all he has done as a wonderfully high platform, a gift. Why? So no matter how high his platform and his fame and his influence get, he can joyfully descend it and reach as many people as possible with his influence. And no matter how important you or I think we are this morning, guys, first recognize that it all is a gift from God. And yes, every single gift from God is meant to be enjoyed but it is meant to be enjoyed by gladly throwing it into the wind for the sake of others. Novice has the perspective that the finish line is very, very close for him. And I'm telling you what, that future king and that queen are going to hit the tape exhausted, running full steam. Those are our four humble heroes that I got to meet in Zambia. And so here is the age-old question how the heck are you supposed to respond to that? <laughs> what response do we have when we meet people like this? When their life sermons can show us what Philippians 2 really looks like? Well, like I said earlier, our flesh, and our, like we want to hear things like this and feel guilt. We want to feel things like this and feel bad. We feel that shame that we're not actually like this. And so you know what we do? We vow 2020 will be a lot better, won't it? 2020, I'm gonna be more like that. Heck, I'm just gonna move to Zambia and just do what they do. That's the goal of my life. And we're driven by shame 
and I'm right there with you, but thank God that's not actually how he works. I think he'd rather show us something far more life-changing than guilt and shame. And that is this. It wasn't just a new bar of humility to compare myself to. It wasn't like looking around here in your connection group and saying, yes, I'm at least in the top 5% of humility here. It's not like, all right, new bar has been set, guys. Good luck with that one. It's not that we got a new bar of humility. It was that this jaw-dropping reality that the air of heaven will be thick with humility like this. That the air that we are breathing around these people is exactly what heaven is going to taste like. Mark said, I wasn't ready for heaven until I went to Zambia. That's something that will ring with me forever. I totally agree with that. But that's true because we got to see new expressions of heavenly humility every single day in these people. And these humble heroes, they served, they smiled, they laughed, and they served again. And I think the whole time Jesus was showing off. He was saying, this, this is what I can do with a broken and sinful people. This is the type of people that are going to populate heaven and my kingdom forever. These brothers and sisters are freely humble because they treasure one thing in life more than anything. It's that God sees them. They're not looking for you to clap for them and to be excited about all the good things they're doing. They don't know you. They probably never will. I'm not trying to make them famous. They don't need that from us because their humility comes from the simple fact that God sees them and that is enough. They live to treasure the wonderful truth of the gospel that this is simply what happens when a mighty God humbles himself to a cross, when that God dies, when that God rises again from the dead, and when that mighty God promises that you will follow him and you will become like him. The humble person is humble because they treasure one thing in life more than anything. And it's that God sees them. Today is not about comparing ourselves to those who are more humble than us and feeling bad about it. It's not a holy guilt trip. Today is not about looking at our lackluster 2019, all of our failed New Year's resolutions or goals as a church and promising that 2020 will be that much better. Today is about Jesus, the humble king, who is in the business of giving himself to each and every one of us fully, period, In Zambia, I think I simply just saw Jesus from a new angle. I think God showed me himself in a way that finally helped me understand Philippians 2. In Veritas, I think God is still beckoning us to humility into this new year to climb down, the la- to climb down that ladder as fast as we can. Why? Because that's where he's at. Jesus is at the bottom of the ladder and he wants us to be with him. Will you accept that invitation? And so now as we close, the moment you've all been waiting for, what is the greatest 
New Year's resolution of all time. I don't know if I'm allowed to declare Veritas has a New Year's resolution. I didn't ask permission for that. But let's just roll with it for today. And if Mark wants to push back next week, he'll think of a better one. But how about this? Because honestly, New Year's resolutions are so bad for me. Like I come back every single time wondering why I even bother with them, why I set the bar so high and think I'm actually magically change over the year. So I need all of you to do this with me, but we're gonna set the bar so low that we can't miss, okay? We're gonna continue to grow as a church. We're gonna continue to see people saved. Baptism tubs are gonna be filled over and over again. There's gonna be new life. Sleepy Christians are gonna become zealous. It's gonna be a place of life and joy and the gospel moving forward. Let us never forget our God Never let our pride rob us of our joy that we have in him. Let us continue to fight for humility. Let us become the best servants we can be. And it must be simple. If we're gonna have one goal, one resolution together, it must be incredibly simple. And here is our resolution in one verse. We're gonna put it on the screen. I will look favorably on this kind of person. One who is humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. Isaiah 66, dream about this with me. You can keep that up there. Dream about this with me. What if when we looked back in December of 2020, this is what defined us as a church? Dream about that. Think about your life. What if this every single day became your anthem before you opened the word of God, you begged him that you would tremble at what he had to say to you, that it could actually be something so profound that it could actually give life to your tired bones. It could actually change a sinner into a saint. What if we actually took God at his word and saw our sin just die and fall off like scales as we started walking in new life? What if this verse took anchor in our hearts and our souls, what I see in the mirror when I look back in a year, whatever way it goes, like whatever happens on top of my head, whatever happens in my bank account, and it, it can come and go. But if this were true, and God made us a humble people, what a joy that would be. What if we were a humble people who met with their God? I'll tell you what will happen. God will look favorably upon us, Veritas. And when his face is upon us, come what may, take the world, we still have the living God. And that is everything. God sees. Is that enough for you? Let's pray. God, um, you are high and lifted up. The train of your robe fills the temple of heaven. The ground and the pillars and the threshold shake at the voice of the mighty God. Your eyes are like fire. From your mouth comes a sword that you can strike down the nations with. 
the sky above and the ground below. They're nothing but the handiwork of you as an artist. What is this house that we would build for you but a footstool? You cannot be contained. You are mighty, glorious, and powerful. And God, that is enough for us. And yet, what we just got done celebrating this past week is that you did not stay there and expect us to reach that type of glory. You descended hard and fast. On a rescue mission like no other, God, you descended and you came for us. You felt our angst, you felt our sorrows and our pain. You filled more buckets with tears than you ever had to do because you love your children and you hate sin. God, you made a way by dying on that cross for us that by faith in you, we could finally begin to become like you. Our verdict would be innocent and free, holy and righteous people of God. And from there, we can start to see our eyes of pride dim and our vision of humility brighten every single day. God, we thank you for the blessings that you have continued to pour out on our church. But God, in 2020, keep us humble. We are desperately praying for that. Help us to memorize this verse. Would that be our resolution? Just to memorize Isaiah 66. What an easy resolution. I can do that, God. I think I can do that. Would we cling to that? And would your face shine upon us, God? You are good to us. Amen.